Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Cross Central Church. Great to be with you again on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning as we think around God's Word once again. Continue our journey through to Romans chapter 7. We'll only be going through to the end of Romans chapter 8, and then we'll be changing to another series for a few for a while, and then we'll return to Romans later on in the year. But we're in Romans chapter 7 at the moment, and so we've been exploring uh, Paul's questions with regards to the law. So he's been teaching on grace, the righteousness that comes through faith. He's been speaking about the grace of God, the mercy of God, been reminding us that we are saved, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything that Christ has done for us. And so the tendency would then be to say, well, if we're under grace, we can do what we please. And Paul has been answering these questions in chapter 6 and 7, reminding us that we aren't uh, allowed to do what we please, uh, that we are, uh, we are slaves to sin, but we have died to the law. Uh, and so we are under grace, and we're under a new covenant, and we follow the new way of the Spirit. And the new way of the Spirit actually directs us to Christ. And when we are in Christ, we find ourselves loving the law. We find ourselves uh, living in obedience to the law through obedience to Christ, because Christ was the perfect embodiment of the law. And so uh, as Paul continues to, to explore and just think through the law and the human heart, this morning, uh, one of the most reassuring passages of scripture for us uh, because we, we we have a clear picture of who we are as human beings we have a clear picture this morning we get a very clear picture of our struggle with sin our wrestle with sin and that's not unique to any one of us but that we are all uh, we are all struggling with sin and our sinful nature and so I pray that this this passage this morning would really be an encouragement to you as you wrestle and struggle with sin and doubt and fear and f- and, and, and try and walk in faith and follow the Lord and walk in obedience to Him. May this be a great encouragement to you um, that you are not alone in your struggle. And so I've entitled the message this morning, We Are at War. We are at war. Uh, and there's a battle going on. It's a battle uh, for us as believers as we live in this broken world. But there's also an eternal battle, something inside of us. There's an inside battle that's being fought every single day. Uh, and I wonder if you are even aware of this battle and aware of the warfare that is taking place from the moment you open your eyes in the morning till you got time you go to sleep uh, in the evening and every day, all day, uh, for the rest of your life. So let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll get into our text uh, this morning. Father, thank you and praise you that we can come to your word. Thank you that your word helps us to see clearly who we are, paint such a beautiful picture such a real picture, such a, a raw picture of who we are as human beings. Oh God, I pray that the reality uh, of this passage would really be a comfort to us, that we'll be reminded of our struggle and our wrestle with sin this morning. Uh, and so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So then reading from uh, verse 14. So we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. So that's Romans chapter 7, verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I actually agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is a sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. 
For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I seem to keep on doing. And now if I do not do what I want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me who does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my, my body. What a wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of love has set me free from the law of sin and death. Just this far. So what a beautiful reminder from the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, of the reality of our struggle and the warfare taking place in our own hearts. Now, I don't know about you, but in our world today, self-belief is a huge thing. Uh, Self-belief and believing in yourself is what we are taught and what we teach our children. You are special, you are wonderful, you are unique, uh, you are amazing, you can do anything your, your mind sets itself to. And yes, that's true, there's truth in that, but I wonder if we are teaching our children the whole truth. So Beyonce, the, the, the famous music musician, uh, singer, says the following, I don't gamble, but if there's one thing I'm willing to bet on, it's myself. An ancient African proverb says, a bird sitting in the tree is not afraid of the branch breaking because her trust is not in the branch, but in her own wings. Always believe in yourself. Uh, and, and in the latest uh, sort of uh, sort of one of the phrases from one of the latest um, uh, um, uh, inspirational, motivational speakers, he said the following: "The magic will happen when you stop listening to the negative voices within and start believing in yourself." So the magic will happen if you believe in yourself. So we live in this world that tells us how great we are, tells us to simply believe in ourselves that anything is possible. And this idea of self-belief and inner greatness is a very strong motivational idea in our world. That you are the author of your own destiny and only you can achieve greatness. But I wonder and I ask myself the question this morning, is it really a biblical idea? I mean, what would the Apostle Paul have to say about the greatness within yourself? Well, I think he gives us a very clear answer in Romans chapter 7 verses 14 to 8 verse 1, isn't it? Greatness may well be found in us and we are capable of great things and we are created in the image of God and we are unique and we are um, <clears throat> created by God. Yes, absolutely. But we need to recognize this morning there's something terrible living in each one of us. It is a source of hatred, of anger, of bitterness, of lying, of murder, jealousy, envy. It's the source of doubt and lack of faith, of anger at God. It's the source of discontentment. It's the source of, of every kind of evil you can imagine. And you know what that is? It's your own human heart. You see, we have an en- enemy inside ourselves. And this enemy is our sinful nature and our sinful hearts. 
Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says the following about the heart. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? (laughs) How's, How's that for a description of your heart this morning? Deceitful above anything else. So be careful how often you trust your own heart and how much you believe in yourself. You see, arrogance and pride are always knocking on your door. We will never understand uh, our own hearts. We will never understand how evil our hearts are because they are so deeply affected by sin. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 3, uh, the, the prophet says, The hearts of people are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterwards they join the dead. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus himself says, The things that come out of the mouth actually come from the heart and these make a man unclean for out of the heart come evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony and slander see this is what makes a man or a woman unclean Romans chapter 3 verse 9 we've already seen there is no one righteous not even one you see we need to understand this morning how terribly sinful we are how terribly sinful our hearts are Do you see that in Romans chapter 7, the different descriptions? Romans chapter 7 verse 14, we are sold as a slave to sin. Verse 18, I know nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. Verse 21, evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am. See, the Apostle Paul was deeply aware of the sinfulness and the sinful nature that was constantly at work in his heart. We are so deeply affected by our sinful natures that we, we all have the potential. We, every one of us has the potential to be the next mass murderer, the next arrogant dictator, the next racist, the next robber, the next burglar, the next doer of evil. See, we all have the sinful potential in us because of our sinful nature. And so we are at war this morning. You are at war this morning. It's the war that every single believer fights. It's not only the war against the enemy on the outside, but also an enemy within each one of us, an enemy within you this morning. And we are called to fight. We are called to do battle with our own hearts. And it starts by needing Jesus to rescue us and then God to change our hearts. So in response to Jeremiah 17, 19, that was read a little bit earlier in speaking of the heart, who can understand it? Well, notice what the answer is in verse 10. I, the Lord, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind. See, God alone can change the human heart. He alone holds the key to changing us from the inside out. Only God can save us from our sinful hearts and he has promised to do that ezekiel 36 verse 26 to 27 god says i will give you a new heart and i will put my spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and i will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws i will give them as an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them i will remove them from the heart of stone 
and give them a heart of flesh. And notice those little words, I will give, I will remove, I will put my spirit in, I will give. Who's doing the work? Well, it's God at work. God has promised that through Jesus Christ, He will give us a new heart. He will put His spirit in us and He will remove our hearts of stone. It takes a supernatural work of God and the spirit to change our hearts this morning. It has to be an intervention from God. Of course, that rescue was fulfilled and completed in Jesus Christ. It is finished. Through faith and through trust in Him alone, we are saved, we are forgiven, we are, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we are given a new heart. And it's like we are almost like new creations. Listen how Paul describes us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. So in Jesus Christ, we are new creations. We are declared righteous. We have an imputed righteousness. We are declared holy. We become children of God. We have a new heart, a new way of the Spirit, and that's in the way we walk. And that's the way we follow Jesus Christ. That's the way we think about our world and our lives. And yet, even though we are new creations, even though we are saved and rescued, even though we are given a new heart, we still struggle with sin. See, from our passage, Romans chapter 7, we, are, we, we see that we still clearly struggle with our sinful nature that is still at work in us. See, and this is the war that we fight every day with ourselves, within ourselves, the battle between the Spirit of God at work in us and our sinful nature. You see, our sinful nature will only finally and fully be removed when we, are die, when we die and when we are raised with Christ. That is when it is finally removed. But until then, we are at war with ourselves and our sinful nature and the battle is being fought every moment. So let's look at the battle that we are fighting. The first point, if you're taking notes, the battle that you and I are fighting. And the first thing we notice about this battle, this warfare that's taking place, is that the law is not the problem, as Paul has been saying from the beginning. In fact, the law is the perfect reflection of God's character. Verse 14, we know that the law is spiritual. Verses 11 to 13, Paul has been telling us how, how the law is there and it reminds me of my sin. It points out my sin. It helps me to realize and to evaluate and to be, be aware of the fact that I cannot keep it, that I am a sinful human being. So the law is spiritual. It has a spiritual purpose. But notice Paul says, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. So the law is totally from God, given by God spoken by God himself so it cannot be the problem God speaks in Exodus chapter 19 he actually speaks the law it's the same voice the same God that spoke creation into being also speaks the law and gives it to his people so the law is holy it's perfect in fact James in James chapter 2 verse 8 calls it the royal law the law is spiritual but you see the problem lies with us the problem lies that we are unspiritual we are slaves to sin and our hearts are the problem. And so the battle rages in the believer after salvation. Between the sinful nature at work in us and God's royal law. Verse 15, I do not understand what I do. See, this is the battle that we face. For the things I want to do, 
I do not do. So we have a desire to do the right thing, but I find we don't do it. But what I hate, I end up doing. Verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I actually agree that the law is good. I actually show that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's the sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Now try reading those verses quickly three or four times over you'll get so tongue-dyed it's not even it's it's incredible isn't it but what Paul is trying to say is when we are saved we have a desire to follow Jesus Paul describes it in these verses as the things I want to do I have a desire I have a want to follow God and maybe this morning that is you you have a desire to follow God you want to follow God and yet there is something always working against that desire the very things that you don't want to do somehow you end up doing them See, because there is something inside of us at work against our desire to serve the Lord. And notice what Paul calls it in verse 17. He calls it the sin living in me. In verse 18, he calls it my sinful nature. Verse 20 again, the sin living in me. You see, we have a desire to follow God, but we struggle to do this. Paul says in verse 18, I cannot carry it out. See, spiritually we've been renewed. We've had a spiritual rebirth. We are born again, according to John chapter 3 and Jesus' words. But physically, physically our flesh, our body is still sinful and has yet to be renewed. I'll say that again. Spiritually we are renewed. Spiritually we have a rebirth, but physically the flesh that the Bible talks about is still sinful and has not yet been renewed. And a little bit further in Romans chapter 8, the next chapter, verse 22 to 23, Paul tells us this. He says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. But not only creation. Listen to these words. We ourselves, you and I, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit in us. Well, what are we doing? Well, we also groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You see, as we live in this world, we are waiting for the return of Christ. We are waiting for the day that He returns. We are waiting either for the day that we pass on to be with Him or He returns. And on that day, our bodies will be redeemed. The redemption of the flesh, our bodies. But until then, we are groaning and we are struggling and we are waging war on the flesh. See, we have the Spirit in us and yet we also have a sinful nature. And the two are at war. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 6, God's words to Cain resound through the the, the hallways of eternity. Where he says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must master it. See, those are the words that ring out over our lives. Sin is crouching at our doors. It desires to have us, but we must fight it. We must master it. 
1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 Peter picks up on this idea and he says be self-controlled and alert be self-controlled and alert folk because your enemy the devil prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour and we need to learn to cut the sin off at the point of temptation in James chapter 1, James tells us that when we give in to temptation, it gives birth to sin, and sin leads to death, and ultimately, sin leads to, to spiritual death. So cut it off at the point of temptation. See, your sinful nature is always at work against the Spirit of God in you. The fight is real. The fight is as long as you are alive, and the fight is one that you can win. Because Peter reminds us we have everything we need for life and godliness. But there are going to be times when we get it wrong. There are going to be times when we stumble. There are going to be times when we trip up. And like Paul says, we are going to make mistakes. The things we desire to do, we don't end up doing. The good we so desperately want to do, somehow we just don't seem to get it right all the time. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 10, and remember these verses are written to Christians, to believers, John says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our life. So if you this morning claim that you are sinless, that you are perfect, that you are sin free, then you are calling God a liar. You are deceiving yourselves and the truth of God's word is not in you. If we deny that, God's, that our sinful nature is at work in us, we turn God into a liar. God has clearly told us that our sinful nature is at work in us and we are going to struggle with it. There is no one perfect in this world, no one sinless. See, that promise is for eternity alone. And you see verse 21 and verse 23, Paul says, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my body. See, our bodies are at war with our minds uh, and, and, and uh, at, at war with our spirit and the spirit of God at work in us. So don't trust yourself too much. Don't take your stand and, as Beyonce says, bet on yourself. Because if you stand in your image and believe in yourself too much, you're in trouble. You see, folk, when we begin to stand in our own strength, when we begin to believe that we are perfect, that we are beyond sin, we are in a very dangerous place. When we stand in judgment of others for their sin, we are in a very, very dangerous place. Because we fail so often to see the sin in our own hearts and yet we quickly judge the sin in others. You know Jesus' little story about taking the splinter out of your own eye before you see the plank in somebody else's eye. You see, we are sinners and we are going to struggle with sin. And this should not make us despondent. This should actually make us so encouraged to know that when we fail, it's because we have a sinful nature and everybody is fighting the same battle. But the challenge is to fight. The challenge is to wrestle. The challenge is to challenge our sinful nature. See, that's the nature of war, isn't it? 
But don't become so confident that you take your stand on your own abilities, your own gifting, on who you are. Don't find your identity in yourself. Find your identity in Jesus. And when Jesus tells you the truth about yourself, he says, you are a sinner affected by sin, but yet I've placed my heart and my spirit in you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 gives us a beautiful warning. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. So let's not build our lives on our own abilities, our own gifting, on how beautiful and unique and amazing we are. Now we have a sinful nature. We have an enemy. We have a heart that has the potential to destroy and to do terrible things. Be careful how often you trust your own heart. But that's not where this chat passage ends. See, we have victory in Christ. So if you take your notes, point number two, the second observation from this passage of Scripture, we have victory in Jesus Christ. So recognize the battle. Recognize that you are in a struggle. And maybe this morning, uh, can I just say, maybe this morning you are wrestling with lack of faith and doubt and and you are are wrestling with uh, evil thoughts about somebody. You are angry. Maybe you are negative. Maybe you've snapped at somebody. Maybe you've you've stepped out and you've you've, you've done damage you hurt. Maybe as you look over your story of your life, you, you, you see the track record of disappointments and hurts and ways in which you've offended people and and broken people and and broken yourself and and maybe there's a history that you're thinking oh my word look at my life well rejoice this morning because we are new creations we are forgiven and those things no longer stand against us remember Paul's words in Romans uh, uh, chapter 8 verse 1 there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus So you have been forgiven for those things. And that's the first step in the battle, remembering that God has intervened. God has moved. God has forgiven. God has rescued. You no longer have to live under those feelings of guilt, those feelings of of, I've failed. Because the Bible tells us we will fail because we are sinners by nature. And that is so freeing, isn't it? Embracing the reality of who we are allows us to recognize the victory that we have in Christ. The victory we have in Christ. In this battle, notice verse 24, What a wretched, wretched person I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Can you hear Paul's cry? His desperate cry. Who's going to rescue me from this, this body of death that, just, that is just fighting against my desires to serve God? Well, notice verse 25, Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Jesus Christ the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. See, we do not have to be slaves to our sinful nature anymore. We can rise up as warriors in the victory of Christ against our sinful nature. Because we've been rescued by Him. He saves us from this body of death. And He helps us to stand firm. Jesus Christ has won the victory. And He will help you stand firm and fight the battle. But you've got to do the fighting. There is no condemnation for you. You are set free. Now live in that freedom and fight the battle like a good soldier as Paul calls us to. In 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 4 Peter reminds us that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
So we've got His divine power and, and we have everything we need to live the godly life. Through knowing Jesus who's called us, God has called us because of His own glory and His own goodness. Verse 4, through these He has given us His great and precious promises. So we have the divine power of God. We have the precious promises of God. Now stand on them so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. Do you hear those words from Peter? Through the power and the promises of God, we can participate in the divine nature of God and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. You see, we can win. We can win this battle in Christ. Through Jesus and through being declared righteous, we participate in the divine nature of God. Now, it doesn't mean we're God, but it means we can, we, can, we can follow Him, we can live holy lives and be holy as He is holy. And we can escape the corruption of the world. You see, in Christ, we have these power and these promises of God. And you need to stand them on them this morning. That's how you win this battle. By standing on the, the promises of God and walking in His power, in His strength. And that's why 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, flowing out of this, Peter says, Therefore make every effort. Therefore you need to fight the battle. Therefore you need to make the effort. You see, we have, God has given us what we need. Now we need to fight. Now stand up and fight. It's like Braveheart riding in front of his, his warriors shouting, For freedom! Let's fight for the freedom that Christ has secured for us. So you can fight this morning. You can fight. You have to fight this daily battle against sin. Do not surrender to your sin. Because we have the victory in Christ. And we can only fight because of us, because of Jesus. He's enabled us. And when we fail, so this is the wonderful thing. We fight the battle. We take the stand. And, and some of those battles we are going to win. Some of those victories we are going to experience. But there are going to be times when, as Paul says, I drop the ball. Things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do want to do, I, 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 I end up not doing. But notice 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 reminds us. Remember 1 John 1 verse 8 and 10 that I read earlier said that, that if we deny that we are sinful, we make God out to be a liar and His truth has no place in our heart. But listen to what 1 John 1 verse 9 says. If we confess our sins, so if we confess these sins that, that are plaguing us, that are battling against us, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, we have forgiveness in Christ. So when we fail, we have confession and we have forgiveness. We have this beautiful gift from God that keeps on giving. You will never out the forgiveness of God. Chapter 2, verse 1 of 1 John my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. See, John in 1 John 1 verse 8 to 10 is saying, I'm writing this so that you won't sin. So that you realize you have forgiveness in Christ. That you can confess your sins. But notice he says in chapter 2 verse 1 of 1 John, If anybody does sin, so if you do sin, if you do fail and fall, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense Jesus Christ you see we have a defense lawyer we have someone who speaks on our behalf when we fail and when we, we, we start losing these battles 
against sin. We have one who stands and speaks in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. See, he alone is the righteous one, the perfect law keeper, the one who is sinless. And so when we are fighting this battle, going along, and those daily battles we seem to lose, we have one who speaks in our defense, the righteous one. And notice, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the one who pays the price for our sins. He's the atoning sacrifice. He pays the price for our sin. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we have a defense lawyer. We have one speaking on our defense. We have the atoning blood of Jesus that has brought forgiveness. See, folk, our sins are atoned for. All of our sins, all your sins this morning, have been paid for in full. And literally, that that word atone means paid for in full, completely accounted for through the blood of Jesus. And so walk in that freedom. Fight that battle. Stand for the things of God. Pursue Jesus. But know that you will fail. And when you fail, your sins have been atoned for. Jesus has paid the price and he speaks in your defense. And that doesn't set us on a path for failure. That sets us uh, free to fight every day and to start each day as a new day. His mercy is on you every morning. And so maybe in the last couple of weeks, you've been losing the battle against sin. Maybe in the last couple of weeks, you've been struggling and and, and not winning the battle against self-doubt, sin, against hopelessness, against lack of faith, against lying, whatever the sin may be that you, you are struggling with and seeming to lose the battle. Well, today is a new day. And the Bible calls on you to fight. Jesus calls on you to fight because he's been speaking in your defense. Your sins have been paid for. And you have everything you need for life and godliness. Don't be the victim to your sinfulness this morning. Don't be the victim to your deceitful heart. Don't be a victim. Don't give up to that thing inside of you that is working against the Spirit of God. See, your heart, your sinful nature is fighting a battle against you. And it's time to take your your stand because you have been forgiven. You have one who speaks in your defense. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You have the power of God. You have the promises of God. Now make every effort. You have to fight the battle. And remember, a battle is not easy. In a battle, you have to fight. So is it going to take effort? Yes. Is it going to have to take you, you, you fighting and taking your stand? And, and is it going to be hard work? Yes. Is it going to be worth it? Absolutely. Interesting in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, a further encouragement. But when this priest is offered for all, once one time a sacrifice for all sins, so speaking of Jesus, this priest offered once for all the sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, listen to these words, one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being holy. You have been made perfect forever. Christ is sitting waiting for all the enemies, your sinful nature, to be made his footstool. He's at work in you. He's made you holy. You are being made holy as you fight. You are being purified. You are being sanctified. But you are forgiven. You fight from a place of forgiveness. You fight from a place of freedom. There is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. So fight the good fight. 
1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18 for Christ died for sins once for all the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God so our sins have been fully forgiven we are set free from sin and death and now we live for God and we have to fight our sinful nature every single day who will rescue me from this body of death well Jesus Christ and we've been set free we've been set free to fight and to resist the devil so how do we fight this battle how do we fight this battle well Ephesians chapter 6 calls us just simply to stand firm to stand firm and to pray to stand firm take your stand take your stand on God's word speak God's word to yourself every single day read it think about it speak it to one another stand in his mighty power be praying be trusting be praying for each other be encouraging one another over whatsapp through personal relationships through personal meetings be speaking to one another be encouraging take your stand stand firm be part of the body of Christ be meeting with believers be praying with people be encouraging one another 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 and 9 we are told resist the devil and he will free for you so we've got to stand we've got to take our stand we've got to take our stand on God's word and then we've got to resist the devil resist him resist that sinful nature fight it in your mind fight it in your heart I think Romans chapter 12 verse 1 to 2 gives us another great practical steps on how we can fight this battle Romans 12 verse 1 to 2 therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy so because of the mercy of God in view of God's grace we are told to offer, number one, offer your body as a living sacrifice. See, that's how you fight this battle. You offer your body as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing, because this is your spiritual act of worship. So the first response to the grace of God, the first way we fight uh, is standing firm, resisting the devil and offering our bodies. We do this by offering our bodies to God. How you live matters to God. What you do with your body matters to God. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. So don't allow your body to be participating in evil, in sexual sin, uh, in sins of the flesh. Don't allow it. Offer your body to Christ. God, how I live on my daily basis, I'm going to offer to you as a sacrifice. What I practically do, I'm going to offer to you. So look after your body. Care for your body. But allow your body to be used in service of Jesus what are you doing for the kingdom this morning? How are you serving practically every single day? And that may simply be raising your children in the way of the Lord as a stay-at-home mom. That's your offering your body as a living sacrifice to God. That might be caring for somebody who is ill. That is offering your body as a living sacrifice. You are offering yourself to the service of the kingdom and the service of your Lord and Savior. So how you live matters to God. So if you're drinking too much wine and battling with drunkenness, then stop it. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. See how you do, how you socialize, what you do. That's offering your body. So cohabitation is not honoring God. That is giving into your sinful nature. It's not okay for Christians to be living together. Premarital sex is not okay for Christians. You see, we need to be taking our stand against these issues. The world says, oh, that's who you are. That's how you were created. No, no, that's your sinful nature speaking. If you submit to those identities, these so many new identities that are arising, you can be this, you can be that, you can be whatever you want to be. What rubbish. 
You need to offer your body as a living sacrifice. That's how you fight the battle. And sometimes it's fighting the lusts and the desires of your flesh that the world says, oh, is natural. No, no, you've got to fight those natural inclinations and feelings. That's the war you might have to fight for the rest of your life every single day that you get up. But it starts by offering your body as a living sacrifice. Get out of bed and go to church. Get out of bed and go and serve your fellow Christians. Don't surrender to laziness. Don't surrender to, to, oh, I'm too tired to be part of God's kingdom. How you work at work, how you serve at work is your offering to God. That's how you're a living sacrifice. How you serve your boss, how you do your job, that is being a living sacrifice to God. Do it to the best of your ability and keep on doing it without moaning and whining and groaning and desiring more all the time. You see, it's very practical, Romans 12, isn't it? Offering your body as a living sacrifice. Because you know what? This is your spiritual act of worship. So how you live on an everyday basis is your spiritual act of worship. How you treat people, how you think about people, how you react in circumstances. Those are practical expressions of your spiritual worship to God. Let's not separate the spiritual from the everyday. But notice, offer your bodies. That's the one way to fight this battle. But verse 2 of Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. See, do not conform to the thinking of this world. We live in non-conformity. Where the world says it's okay to be like this, we say no it's not because the Bible says differently. See, non-conformity to the thinking of the world, not being shaped by the thinking of the world, is the way of the believer. It is the battle we fight. It's the battle we fight with society every single day. Don't surrender to the thinking of this world. Don't surrender to the thinking of the world that explains God away, explains faith away, that says if you are jobless, you are worthless. That's the thinking of the world, that if you are wealthy, somehow you are more important, that if you are a certain ethnicity, then you are more special. You see, that's the pattern of the world. We need to be not conforming to that pattern. And that is breaking the pattern every single day. There is no place in the kingdom of God for prejudice, for racism, for bitterness, for anger. Those have no place in God's kingdom. See, our thinking needs to be different. When the world says, how wonderful you are, just believe in yourself, we must say, no, 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 we are sinners by nature. We don't believe in ourselves, but we believe in Jesus. You see, the world will always point you back to yourself. The Bible will always point you back to Jesus. Don't conform to the thinking of this world. Don't conform to the beliefs and the patterns of this world. Don't believe this thing that, oh, eight to five, I've got to do my job and I've got no time for God. You see, we need to be conforming to God's word, not to the pattern of the world. And there's so many practical examples of non-conformity, aren't there? The way the world lives is not the way we as believers should be living. Now, it doesn't mean we live, live such freakishly crazy lives that the, the world doesn't understand who we are. No, but it's, it's challenging every bit of thinking around identity, around life, around how we live in this world, around eternity. We don't conform to the thinking of the world that, that this world is all we have, that materialism, uh, consumerism, all the isms that we see in our world. No, we need to be taking our stand. Don't conform 
to the thinking of our world. Don't pursue what the world pursues. Allow your thinking on these things to be shaped by God's word. So offering your body, living practically every day as a spiritual act of worship. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. And notice what Paul says thirdly, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation happens by how we think. And the way our minds are transformed, well, is by a by getting into God's word by prayer. We need to be reading our Bibles more and watching less TV. We need to be putting Netflix away and picking up our Bibles. We need to be investing in time with God so that we might understand the mind of God because that's how transformation happens. Our children are growing up with with um, TikTok, with uh, Facebook, well, well, Facebook is for old people now apparently, with, with Instagram, with, uh, with Twitter, these little bite-sized chunks and, and, they, and they communicate in half sentences and with emojis. And what this does is just breaks away any desire to read the Bible. Our children are so inundated with media and social media and technology that when it comes to reading the Bible, they're just not interested anymore. When it comes to going to Sunday school, we have, our Sunday schools have basically become entertainment zones because our children are being programmed by the world to conform to this, 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 this techn- technological wave. And certainly there are things we can do. But you know what we need to be doing? We need to be getting our children, the next generation, back into God's Word. See, transformation happens through the Word of God. Can I ask you this morning in fighting this battle? How much are you spending time in God's word? Or how much are you just vegging in front of the TV? How much are you spending time, instead of struggling with your sin and fighting this battle, you've just surrendered to a lifestyle of conformity to the world? Well, can I encourage you this morning is the morning to pick up God's word and allow yourself to be transformed. Today's a new day. Pick up the Bible. Begin to read it. Begin to understand the mind of God. Transformation happens when the the God-breathed Word grips our hearts and begins to change us. Start your day. End your day in God's Word. See, offer your bodies. Don't conform and be transformed by the Word and the Spirit of God. See, that's the battle we have to fight. We are at war, folk. Romans chapter 7 tells us that. Tells us we have the victory, but it tells us we are in a battle. And we have the power of God. We have the, the, the promises of God. We have this new way of the Spirit. God's given us everything we need, but we have to fight. So let us fight. Offer your body today. Offer your body for the rest of your life as a living sacrifice to God. Don't conform to your mind and your own heart. The messages your mind are sending you, don't believe, lack of faith, anxiety, worry. Begin to challenge those. And you challenge those by getting into God's word, by spending time in prayer, by meditating and thinking about God. That is how you renew your mind. And as you renew your mind, you replenish yourself for the battle. You, you, you trust and you take your stand on the promise of find one promise of God today and begin to learn it and say it to yourself and allow it to sink deep into your heart. Just one today and do that every day and you will be transformed. See, there are going to be times when we win, win the battle, but let's recognize there are going to be times when we struggle and we fail, but we have one who stands in our defense, Jesus Christ, one who rescues us, from our own hearts. So can I end just by saying, don't believe in yourself too much. 
Because inside you lives an enemy that is warring, waging war against the spirit, waging war against your salvation, and you need to fight. Folk, this morning, we need to recognize we are at war, but we have the victory in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this great passage of Scripture that just reminds us again of how the struggle is so real, that we are all sinful, we all wrestle with sin, we all fail, we all stumble, and the things we want to do, we don't do, the good we desire to do, we find ourselves not doing. Oh God, who can rescue us from this body of sin? Well, in Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the, the, the promises and the power that is at work in us. Would you enable us? Would you empower us to stand today? Would you help us, Lord, to take our stand and to fight? Fight those, those voices in our own head that are coming from our hearts, uh, hearts that are, are struggling and wrestling with sinful nat- our nature, with lack of faith, with anxiety, with worry. God, may we turn our minds to Jesus and may we allow Him to carry us, empower us, and fight this battle with us. Oh Lord, would we walk in His strength today? Would we walk in His power today? And thank you for those beautiful words. There is now no condemnation, no condemnation whatsoever for those who are in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you stand in our defense when we get it wrong, when we drop the ball. Thank you that you have atoned for all our sins once for all. And in this freedom, we can take our stand. In this freedom, we can resist. In this freedom, we can offer. We can live a life of non-conformity. And we can continue to be transformed by your word and your spirit. Help us to fight this and to take our stand this day. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, folks, for tuning in. Go and fight that good fight that we are all fighting in the name of Jesus Christ. Be blessed. And may you have a wonderful week of fighting the battle and doing war against your heart this week.